0: Hey everyone, my name is Josh Proctor, and this is the Life on Side B podcast. On this podcast, we are going to discuss, as the name pretty much clearly states, what life as Side B LGBT Christians is really like. For those of you who don't know, Side B is a term used to refer to Christians who are LGBT, attracted to the same sex or have gender dysphoria, yet hold a traditional view of sexuality and marriage, and therefore live according to that view. Every episode, I will be talking with different Side B Christians about different aspects of their life, faith, and experiences. My goal with this podcast is to show that being Side B is not this depressing life of self-hatred and loneliness, but rather it can be pretty dang beautiful and amazing. Now, every season, we will be focusing on a different theme of sexuality and faith issues related to the lives of Side B Christians. This season though, I am really excited because we are going to be looking at different ways Side B Christians live out their sexuality and find intimacy and community. Each of these interviews has been a huge encouragement, even for me, as I navigate what community and belonging look like in my own life. You will be able to see that there are so many different ways that Side B Christians can live with joy within their faith. And in that way, I hope it can be an encouragement for you too. So with that, let's head into today's episode. All right. Well, today I am joined by Seth Touchton as my co-host, and we are going to be interviewing Leslie Hudson Reynolds about what it looks like to live side B as a genderqueer individual. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with the term genderqueer, it refers to a person whose gender identity does not fit into the typical notions of masculinity and femininity. I have been looking forward to this conversation because I believe that in the Side B world, we do not really talk enough about trans issues. And when we do talk about it, we do not talk about it that well. Now, I know that many may not agree with everything said here, though that could really be said about any of the episodes. But I really want to encourage you to listen to Leslie, her experience, and her story because I think there is a lot we can learn when we approach this conversation from a place of humility and learning. So I am really excited to get Leslie's perspective on this topic and to hear her story and for you to hear it as well. Well, thank you, Leslie, so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So I guess to start, well, actually, before, before we get into some of our questions and our discussion, I just wanted to read your bio that you sent us so that people okay. can know a little bit more about you before we start. Which, So for those of you who don't know Leslie, uh, Leslie is currently serving as Gender Identity Ministry Director for Lead Them Home. Leslie mentors youth and adults seeking God's will and their gender identity. They are also developing a resource designed to thoughtfully engage church leadership in the gender conversation. Prior to joining the Lead Them Home team, Leslie spent 15 years on the road And in general, uh, regional theater, sorry, as production stage manager for numerous Broadway musicals, ballets, and plays, they still escape to New York to see shows whenever possible. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. I love Broadway. (laughs) Let
1: me start with that. (laughs) It was fun. (laughs) It was fun for sure. But it's a young person's game. I'm far too old to be doing it anymore.
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was like a dream. I used to go to New York all the time with my family. And that was like one of my requirements when we had to see a Broadway show. How oh, they didn't know I was gay. Nice. I'm not completely sure. But that was my requirement. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so I guess to start then with all of that, our, my first question is just can you share how, how do you identify
1: Sure. Um, I identify as genderqueer, non-binary, and lesbian.
0: Awesome. And so, then with that, I would just like to ask, uh, you know, as this is a Side B podcast, what what does it what does Side B mean for you, or or how would you define it, or what what does that mean in the sense for you?
1: So, growing up in the '80s and early '90s. Um, there wasn't really an option to, for anything other than, than ex gay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was you, you had to pray away the gay. So side B means to me that I can have an identity as being LGBT and still follow the Lord. It, it uh, does away with what I, what I call the abomination gospel um, mm-hmm. that that simply by being born, we're an abomination that there's, that there's no love for us. There's no hope for us. Um, so to me, side B simply means hope and acceptance
0: and love oh that's good i love that thank
1: you
0: and i think that's so true because that's even been something for me has been like you know i i totally went through um the whole ex-gay world in so many ways and um and it was it like you said it was just a way of being able to find side b was such a way of being able to say wow okay it's okay for me to use gay terminology, for me to accept this part of my life, that it's a reality. Yeah. But yet still follow the Lord according to my convictions. Yes. Um, so can you share a little bit of how you arrived to being Side B? Sure. Um,
1: so I was, I was married to a woman, um, and uh, because of a very unfortunate accident, she passed away. Um, and I had just gotten off the road with the show and knew no one in the town that we had moved to. So I randomly called up a church and I said, look, I, I was 35 at the time, so far younger than anyone should have to be thinking about their spouse's funeral. And I uh, called up this church and asked if they would do the funeral. And the pastor said, yeah, we'd be honored to. And that's something that just really stuck with me. And, and throughout the coming months, he just, he ministered to me not not as a lesbian or not as, as someone with, with gender identity issues, but simply as a grieving widow, and he treated me as a human being, mm-hmm. which is something I had never experienced before in the church. And mm-hmm. so it was, I was given the freedom to to wrestle out loud with, with many different questions. And, and it, it allowed God to speak into my life and allowed the Spirit, to, more importantly, to speak into my life of, of exactly how, how I, was, I specifically was supposed to express my sexuality and my gender identity. Mm.
0: That, that's amazing you know i remember hearing your story for the first time and i i loved it first of all because um you know i i was i was previously in a relationship as well um and you know before becoming side b and mm-hmm. and i also love just how you said like how your pastor allowed you the space to be able to question and and to wrestle through everything you were going through because I think that's so many times where we have church leaders who just say you know like this is what you need to believe (laughs) and this is and this is and they give no room to just be able to struggle
1: yeah, and it's he also didn't assume that that was the first thing God needed to work on in my life.
0: Mm-hmm. There
1: was there was freedom to let God move in my life and and heal many other aspects that had to be that had to be taken care of before I could even yeah. begin to think about gender identity or sexuality.
0: That that's another good uh, that's a good point too. Again, like you said, we we can't. It's so important for pastors to to not assume that just that just because a person is lgbt does not mean that their sexuality might be the first thing you know the first area of their life that god's going to work on right you know because we're more than our sexuality we're much more complex beings than just that one side yeah Uh uh-huh
2: and i think we also just prioritize when, when especially we're looking at somebody else we prioritize their messiness so we're like obviously god's redemption in their life is gonna be oh they don't dress the way that I like, or mm-hmm. they don't talk the way that I like. So yeah, yeah. that'll be something that will change first in God's yes. life in them, So yeah, So we kind well, of was, pray sorry, God's yeah. redemption over them. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: And I think Preston makes a really good point when he says that, you know, it's, it's so easy to vilify things that sins that we don't struggle with, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and because gender identity and sexuality is something that the majority of the um, population doesn't struggle with it's. Just, it's super easy to assume. Okay, well, that's obviously very wrong in their life, and obviously that's what God wants to fix first. Yes, and it's you know yeah. like you said, it's it's not always.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I mean, like yeah, that's my whole thing is is when I became a Christian, I was still a side A Christian for a good amount of time, you know, and because like you said, there was other things that God had to work on before he could he could touch that part of my life. So I right. and now obviously. Being non-binary too, I would also love for you to talk about a little bit of how, how have you come to reconcile your gender with your faith?
1: So that was a much more difficult process. Um, I actually had attempted suicide, and my counselor at that point just didn't know what to do with me, so she sat down and we just started reading through Colossians. And we got to Colossians 2, and um, Colossians 2, 8 through 10a, Talks about um, you know not being taken captive through the philosophy and empty deception of man, and the traditions of men and the elementary principles of the world, and that we are made complete in Him, um, and that word just rang out in me that I was complete in Him, and just knowing that regardless of of what um, discordance there was in my mind now, that there would be a time when I would be fully complete, body and spirit, and so whether you look at the argument of, okay, my body is wrong, or my mind is wrong, you know, wh- whichever side of the aisle you stand on, you're going to look at the argument differently. But mm-hmm. it, with dysphoria, one of the two is is off. And so not even trying to go down that road, just knowing that there would be a time when whichever one was off was going to match up again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I wasn't going to get caught up with um, you know, as as verse eight says, I wasn't going to get caught up with with the theology and the philosophy of it, and that I was going to completely give that over to God, and I wasn't going to look into traditional gender um, roles and gender um, identification uh, guidelines. That that I was going to look into what God says about who I am, and so I didn't. I no longer looked for societal views of of what gender was, and and um, simply looked at myself as a person. And although I know that there's a lot of arguments that this isn't what's being said in Galatians, there, there was a lot of freedom for me in the fact that there, that there will be no, uh, that there's no longer male or female, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that just, that gave me freedom to just be Leslie, to just be a child of God. And so that's, you know, that's why I've, I've said, you know, I'm non-binary, that I, that I don't really espouse to either, that, that I don't accept either gender roles. I, I simply say that, that God is my father and I am, I am God's child.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and I think I'm, I want to thank you so much for sharing on that because, you know, as, as we've talked about, even in the whole entire sexuality and gender discussions, even more than the sexuality part of things, gender is the part where the church I feel has really dropped the ball (laughs) and really just even of regarding having talking about it. And allowing a conversation to spur to the point of saying, you know, allowing there to be a discussion of being like, this is what people experience, you know? And I I like what you were saying, and correct me if I misunderstood, but just like that it's not always about trying to figure out necessarily like what's the solution in a sense, but allowing people to figure out like, what they're experiencing and how yes. to have a place within their experiences.
1: Yes. And to not feel shame within that experience.
0: Exactly. Yeah. 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 And how would you say that you found the most like community and belonging within your church related to these topics?
1: So, I, I just recently joined um, a church, like within the last eight months, um, so I'll talk about both my church in Massachusetts and my church here in Tennessee. In Massachusetts, um, wrestling with sexuality was was no issue at all. Um, gender identity, what, it wasn't necessarily an issue as much as there was just no... Um, it, it was very easy to tell that people were uncomfortable whenever it came up, and so it was, just, I just didn't feel like I had the freedom to wrestle out loud. Um ironically, I'm in a church in East Tennessee and I have never felt more free in my life to be who I am. There's um, you know, it's a, it's a larger church, so I'm sure there are people, you know, that, that are bigoted it, it you know in this area. There just there's ignorance. There are people who just don't know. But um but here I have the freedom to wrestle out loud between the pastors and the elders I've talked to, um, the the different uh, small groups I've been in, there's been not an ounce of pushback. And it's um you know've it 's funny I was talking about this in a in a small group earlier last week, but something that is so difficult for me, like gender identity is is nothing to someone else you know and it's um, there 's a real attitude of of sharing your burdens here and so um, you know i 'm able to share that with somebody and they 're able to help me through it and, and pray me through it because it it 's not difficult for them to to identify their gender and and likewise, I can walk through them walk with them through other difficulties they're having and it's just it's not an extra issue here so I'm just incredibly blessed
2: <laughs> you said that was in Tennessee yes wow bring it home to you. come on
1: <laughs> you're coming to Tennessee no I missed the gay exclamation point on that one <laughs> I
2: mean, it was, yeah, it was implied with my eyebrows, I guess.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's so good. And hmm, I'm just thinking through this. But <laughs> so uh, <laughs> while Josh is thinking, because it takes
2: a long time, <laughs> time for him to come up with the oh <laughs> Um <laughs> I will go ahead and just say thank you. That was amazing mm-hmm. uh, to hear all of that. But also, I think a lot of times, especially Christians dealing with LGBT individuals, they have this mentality that we're competing for, even though they're not going to declare this themselves, they have this mentality that they're competing for the role of Holy Spirit because they really only like act out of the role of, oh, we have the father and the son and I'm actually the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to tell you how you're. (laughs) And beyond that, Especially with people who struggle with gender or uh, transgender or non-binary or you know anything on that spectrum, it's oh well, I I'm thinking that we're just going to return to the garden and you can't make any of those arguments because it was Adam and Eve. I'm like we're not going back to the garden. Nowhere (laughs) nowhere in the Bible does it say oh we're going to recreate the heavens and earth and make a new Garden of Eden. Like, no, we're making a city and we're not competing for the role of Adam or Eve. And so you can't even tell me (laughs) that a God who embodies both male and female says that I can't have an identity in him. Right. And so I just really think that you display a lot of courage Mm -hmm. um, just in your faith identity. And I really, really aspire uh, to be like that. Wow, that's humbling. Thank you.
1: Um, and I think you brought out a really good point about something for for people with gender identity above uh, orientation um, orientation is is seen as what you do, whereas gender identity is who you are
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: think that's that 's why the church has a harder time uh, wrapping his brain around it it's okay well, look at genesis 2 you know this is how it's defined and even as as a trans person trying to find um a counselor you know you go to a secular counselor and they say oh you know you do you go go transition you know take hormones whatever and then a christian counselor is going to, want to throw genesis 2 at you and try and you know or proverbs 31 and tell you to be a proverbs 31 woman which i would slit my throat if i had to do that um <laughs> that's just not me that's how god made me um you know and so finding a safe place to wrestle out loud and a community uh where you can wrestle is incredibly difficult um that's part of uh, you know you had mentioned community that's part of why i started um we have a, a video chat that we do once a month of you know people with gender identity all uh, gender identity questions all around the country and mm-hmm. it's just a place for us to you know, there are people who are, who are transitioning. There are people who aren't. And it's just a place for us, anyone with dysphoria, to just come and just talk about it and, and to kind of normalize the experience and not feel like we're so other, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I forget what the point of that was. I'm sorry.
0: It's, it's <laughs> fine. But no, honestly, I think that's really good. One of the things I've been learning just from knowing you and, and also just from, our, you know, being part of Lead Them Home as well, and, and everything has been that many times we as Christians think that when we're having discussions with people with, um, really with anything that they deal with or any issues that they have in their lives, that the goal has to be, how do I fix this problem? How do, I, mm-hmm. how do I resolve it? And sometimes it's not always about us trying to resolve it, but really giving the person the space to struggle and being alongside of them as they, as they figure it out. You know, and right. like, you, like you said, with the group that you have, the chat that you have, like it allows a space where people feel okay to struggle and feel okay to say, I'm trying to figure out what to do
2: mm-hmm.
0: without someone putting down their throat. Like, this is what you have to do on either side. You have to transition. You know, you're not, you can't transition. You know, like <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Like, because really it happens on both sides of the, uh, of the conversation yeah, it does. where people are like, this is what you have to do and it's like well the person needs to be able to process because it's these are big life changing decisions it's your identity as you said it's your core identity as a within your gender
1: right and and outside of anything side be you know if, if you just think about times that you know god has really moved in your life it's not because you've been given a prescriptive answer it's mm-hmm. because god has revealed it to you and mm-hmm. you know if you're given a prescriptive answer as soon as as soon as you know, there's questions that come up against it or, or, you know, you start bucking against it, it falls apart. But when you're given the freedom to wrestle with God and to find those answers in the spirit, then it's something you can hold on to, because you, you can look back and say, oh, no, wait, I remember when God revealed this to me, not when, not look back and say, oh, well, pastor so-and-so said this, you know, and it's, it's something that has been directly revealed to mm. you and it gives you strength to stand on.
2: Mm.
0: That's good. Yeah. And, and I guess kind of with that then, what would you say would be, I mean, obviously there's a lot of different things, but what would be some of the biggest things that you would want to give to church leaders or, I mean, just to general Christians who know people kind of wrestling through gender identity issues on the best ways that we can support people going through this?
1: Well, I, th- I think you touched on part of it, um, that you know, it's okay to not have the answers, to just say, I, I don't know, but I'm willing to walk through this with you. I'm willing to, willing to pray through this with you. Um, you know, when somebody first comes out, I think it's incredibly important to let them know that, you know, that you're a safe space, that you love them just the same as you did before, that there's that there's no change there. Um, de- to decrease suicidal tendencies, I think it's important to um, To recognize somebody's uh, pronouns in their name.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I personally don't say preferred pronouns because I don't think it's a preference. I think it's something that, that we need to honor. Preference means mm-hmm. that there, sh- there could be a choice and I don't think there should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but suicidality and dysphoria um, go hand in hand and it's a, some crazy number, like 48%, I think it is, the people who've experienced dysphoria um, have attempted, not, not have thought about suicide, but have actually attempted suicide. Um, so you know, it's, it's something that anything to minimalize that needs to be done, and and to you know, like you like you know, we, we've said several times to just understand that the spirit is going to move in someone's life. That that as a as a leader, you can guide, you can shepherd, but you need to trust the spirit to be the spirit because the spirit does a really good job at it. Um, and, and to not <laughs> <laughs> and we don't exactly we we muck it up pretty badly um mm-hmm. and so so i, I think that the, that would be the big thing mm-hmm. um you know and and it's there. obviously you know to realize that just because you have an answer for one trans or gender queer person doesn't mean that's going to pan out for the next person it's mm-hmm. i think it was your house that said you know if you've met one trans person you've met one trans person period um you know that there's not uh, there's it, it, not because you you know walk through something with one person that doesn't mean it's going to Play off the same way with someone else.
2: Yeah. Um, Wait a second. And- you mean you don't know every other transgender person on the planet? I don't. I miss. You're I miss. Not, you're not completely connected to anybody. <laughs> <Just tell them. laughs>
1: I'm not. I missed the committee meeting last month. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> <Do better. laughs>
1: yeah. So. See, I I I think that just recognizing, you know, that each individual struggle is is just that and end, of, mm-hmm. end of it. and I hate to say the word struggle, but um, each each individual path, let's just put yeah. it that way, is 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 just that it's it's individual.
0: Yeah, and I think that's really good, and it's really funny. Like, and what, what I mean by funny is like everything you've been bringing up about the ways that we can walk alongside people going through gender identity issues is like it sounds very similar to the things that we as gay and lesbian and bi people ask of straight people. But then the irony of it is, is that we have a hard time showing that same grace to people going through gender identity issues.
1: Yeah. And I don't know that it's within the LGBT, within the LGB community, specifically the LGB Christian community. Uh I don't know that it's not showing grace as it is people being oversensitive because they realize that they've been hurt by language and by people thinking that they're acting correctly. Mm -hmm. So, so they're, they're more conservative in how they act. And so their silence almost is worse. If not, if not is worse, than than speaking out and saying the wrong thing. So I think that a lot of what we're seeing right now is that the LGB portion of the, of the Christian side B community has has a voice, and they're afraid to say a whole lot for the T community because they don't want to misspeak. But in not speaking, they're further marginalizing uh, the T community who who are seeking to be a part of the church. Yeah. But I, but I think it's it's meant out of honor. I, I don't think mm-hmm. it's meant to be divisive.
0: Yeah. That's
1: unfortunately is what's happening
0: yeah that 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 does make sense I mean it, it is like you know that it, it's never meant to be harmful to someone or but just out of either not knowing or as you said sometimes fear of just well because if I'm already afraid of people accepting me then I'm afraid to even speak up for another person at times I or, I don't know if that's even the right way
2: I mean but it also might like And you can absolutely just tell me that I'm wrong if I am. But I think at some points it's kind of like a double-edged sword because not only are we marginalizing by not talking about it, but it's almost because we don't treat you just like normal humans. Mm -hmm. And so you become even more marginalized because we're making such a big deal about not making a big deal about it that we're making Mm -hmm. a big deal about it again. (laughs) Exactly. And so it's like, why don't we just treat them like they're mm-hmm. human beings and yeah. not not just go in and see, oh, you are gender dysphoric, you are transgender, you are non-binary, and that is who you are. Mm-hmm. And I can't see anything past that. And whereas, right. whereas some people are like, yes, I want you to see that as part of my identity, that's not the entirety of who you are. And if we just keep getting stuck at that roadblock of this makes me uncomfortable, this is all I can see, then we're never going to get to the part where you're just a human and we're able to talk about all of that.
0: Right. So another point that I would just love to, because you mentioned it before, Mm -hmm. but I would love for you to speak a little bit on it because I know that people listening, it's going to be a big point for them, obviously, as, as you and I already know from in this ministry, is when you mentioned about uh, pronouns and mm-hmm. how that connects to helping reduce suicidality and depression. Mm-hmm. And then obviously there's Christians that bring up an argument to that of saying, well,
2: then They're I'm not speaking, them, you're obviously. endorsing it,
0: or you are not speaking truth mm-hmm. or, you know, something of that along those lines. I would love to hear you speak into that of like, where, maybe not responding to those Christians with those critics, but the Christians who are having those questions. Sure. What would you say for those
1: people? So um, there's, there've been studies done and there's absolutely no correlation between um, affirming someone's pronouns and them actually transition. Mm. There's, there's zero correlation. So the, the whole idea of, well, if I use, you know, if I, if I use their, their pronouns rather than, than their birth pronouns, um, you know, that's going to encourage them. No, that's simply not the case. And it's been scientifically proven by, by, um, by both Christian and non-Christian studies.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, so there's that, um, I'll tell you what has made a huge difference for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it's a mentality that my pastor here has, and he, he never uses a pronoun for God. And it's something I picked up on within like the first Mm -hmm. week that I'd been here and it just blew me away. Um, because he says that God's name is Yahweh and that God is the pronoun. Mm. And so anytime we, you know, a lot of people say, well, God, the father, him, and, you know, and, and so we need to tie that back into God. And because of that, God has a gender. And because God has an assigned gender, we need to accept our assigned genders and, and all that. But if you, if you take it and you look at it as Yahweh being God's given name and God being the pronoun, it takes away gender from God and makes God more accessible to all of us. And so when we make it, when, when you look at it that way and making God accessible, um, I honestly, I've read so many things. I don't know if it's Bill or Pre- Bill Henson or Preston Sprinkle that said this, but you know, it's, it's more important to be in relationship than to be right. Mm-hmm. And I want to do what's going to make someone know that God loves them. That Christ died for them and that they are no different than anyone else on this planet. Mm-hmm. And so if honestly, Joshua, calling you a wombat means you're going to understand that God loves you. I will call you a wombat. I don't care. <laughs> you, you know, it's, I, I think that we need to take on that mentality and get past this whole stereotypical Western mentality of, of we have to use a particular word to describe mm-hmm. a particular person. Um, I, I just don't think that's the heart of God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's actually, I had read something not too long ago that was saying that even Jesus himself is the greatest example of contextualized theology. Because mm-hmm. the very fact that Jesus, God sent himself as a human, like us, becoming like us, is the greatest example that God is willing to meet us wherever we are at. Yes. And to present himself within that understanding in order to grasp us and and bring us into greater relationship with him so i well well, well,
2: and i believe that a lot of that was just because i mean jesus is the ultimate contextualizer if jesus if god were to come to earth in ancient israeli culture as a woman nobody would listen to him exactly and so like the fact that he had to come to earth as a man and a prophet at that and demand that he is listened to demand that he is focused on is in in that sense contextual contextualizing to that culture and it's not it's it's more so like describing what happened more than prescribing it because like i love what you said uh leslie that um hold on um this entire thing is going to be paraphrased Mm -hmm. but that um it was when we were talking about the pronouns and, and not endorsing because you're using their pro- pronouns. And it was how you were saying, if you wanna be called a wombat because you think that like <laughs> um, makes you feel like God loves you, then I'm gonna call you a wombat. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought that was interesting because one, one of my favorite uh, thoughts or concepts to think about when people use that kind of uh, argument is all throughout scripture, it's very clear that we're not supposed to get completely wasted, right? We're not supposed to get drunk. We're not supposed to get, you know, completely delusional. Um, and then in like one of the first miracles that Jesus does, he not only like encourages people at a wedding to get more wasted, but he brings out the best wine for them to have to get more wasted. (laughs) And so I'm like, well, is he endorsing their drunkenness? Is he endorsing their sin in that regard? Um, But then because of that, not only is his mother and his disciples and his, you know, everyone that he's there with being, you know, amazed that he is capable of such a miracle, uh, but that like founds his entire ministry to go on from Mm -hmm. there to, you know, save the world and change the world. And so I think a lot of it has to do with like, God is somebody who communicates to us in a way that we will understand. And... And because that culture that he was communicating to only understood the patriarchy, he related himself as I am a, I am a father to a son. Mm-hmm. I am God the Father to Jesus the Son. And I came down as a man so that you would listen to me. Exactly. And yeah. so, like, the, the entire biblical meta narrative is a giant contextualization because mm-hmm. that culture would only listen to a man. Right. And that culture would only look up to a man. And so, to say that, "Oh, this is how God related to the ancient Israeli
0: culture and this is just who God is.: And this is just who
2: God therefore, you know, God is a man," that's entirely retrospectively saying, "Oh, well, anything that has happened ever since then is obviously <laughs> false because we're not ancient Israeli culture. <laughs> Thank
0: you: Thank you.: You pretty much got your question. <laughs>
1: And I think you brought up, you know, an excellent point of, of God just meeting us where we are, you know, and, and to go back to scripture when, when Jesus was talking to Peter, you know, in the whole, do you love me feed my sheep? You know, if we, when we look back at the original language, it was, do you agape me? And Peter kept coming back with, I phileo you. Do you love me as God loves? And, and Peter kept coming back with, I love you like a brother. And so Christ asked the ultimate twice, but then the third time, met peter where he was was like okay dude do you fillet me you know do you love me like a brother all right then let's go let's start there feed my sheep from there and we'll build you know and it's that is the heart of of everything that i do in in working with lead them home is is okay this is what i think god says but you know what if that's not what god's saying to you let's go back to the beginning and let's build Mm -hmm. from there and maybe god will reveal himself to me and not you you know it's not not going with the assumption of i have all the answers but but the beauty of, of God meeting one of the meeting the bedrock of our church, Peter, where he was, you know, and not trying to not trying to come and say, "No, you have to meet me at this level before I'll invest in you," meeting exactly where Peter was and then saying, "All right, this is where we're starting. Let's go forward feeding my sheep.
0: Um, thank you so much for sharing that and My next question would be what kind of encouragement would you give to anyone in like listening who does deal with gender identity uh, issues and, and maybe they are just starting this whole understanding, like this whole kind of wrestling and, and figuring out what they're going to do, or they, they haven't maybe told someone or wherever they're at, like what, what advice would you give to them as they kind of like try to figure out? their process, their journey? Well,
1: that's a kind of loaded question. Uh, first of all, I would, I would want them to know that God loves them no matter what, no matter how they they end up expressing their gender, whether that's um, you know, staying, staying as they were born, whether that's transitioning, whether that's somewhere in between. God loves them and nothing that they can do will take that away and anything else is a lie and to not buy into it. Um, mm. It's important to find... A, a safe community, um, you know, and, and we have that um, building at Lead Them Home. If they want contact, to contact us through the website, I'd be happy to put them in touch with that, um, talk to them myself, um, but to find people um, that, they can, that they can wrestle out loud with, and it's tough and it's scary, and, and there are times you get shot down, um, but it's it's just important to go back to what I first said to know that God loves you and that that what people are saying a lot of times is simply out of ignorance that they just don't know any better that they think, okay, well you're born one way or the other and that's it um, and they, they've never had to um, really delve into it beyond that and so a lot of what is said is not meant to be out of malice it's, it's simply ignorance and people who haven't thought through it so um, just because somebody gives you know, a not so great response the first time doesn't mean that that's the way it's going to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's someone where I am currently who I would have sworn was ex-gay when I first met them. And after having multiple conversations with them and, and working through stuff with them, they're now very firmly in God loves you no matter what. And, and so do I. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, you know, just finding somebody who's going to walk through it with you um, mm-hmm. and not being afraid to reach out. Mm-hmm. and you 're not alone, um, I, I think is important and it's it 's so easy to assume that that we are defined by our sexuality or our gender identity, but um, as one of you guys said earlier we 're so much more than that, mm-hmm. and so to hold on to the fact that that you are so much more than 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 how you identify gender wise yes, that is an important part of you, but you 're a beloved child of God, no matter what that 's the thing to hold on to,
0: yeah. I love, oh, yes, please preach. <laughs> well, and, and something I also... Testify, bring on the altar, come on! Well, and also something that I want, to, I want to, I also kind of want to clarify is that, you know, I love when you were saying, even just starting off with, you know, God loves you, you know, no matter where you are in this journey, no matter if you have transitioned, haven't transitioned wherever you are or if you're no one knows about it or, or everyone knows about your situation i want people to understand that i think christians many times look at transitioning as surgical transition as like the place of there's no hope left for a person that is so sad and it's really sad because that's so not true because we serve a god who who loves everyone wherever they are at in their life and their walk no matter where a person is at in their life no matter what decisions they've made Um, or what journey they've decided to make it never, they are never outside of the grasp of God's love. Exactly. And so I just wanted to reemphasize that to people that, you know, we many times, I feel like many times Christians view it that way. And it's so not true.
1: It's, it's a lie of the enemy. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it's not only is it not true. I mean, it's, I, I, I think that it's important that we call it out as a as a lie. Yes. You know, and saying that something is not true, I, I think is you know kind of passive pretty way of saying it. Not no, it's no. it's a stinking lie. lie, and it, it destroys lives and it kills people.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, and I think just because, especially in Western culture, but just the, the modern society as we know it right now is so obsessed with biological fact and Mm -hmm. scientific progression and whatever you want to fill in that gap but even like when when people back in jesus's time were struggling with biological fact of being hungry or being thirsty he was like i'm not just gonna give you bread like i'm not just gonna give you water you don't want me to be king because you actually trust me you want me to be king because i'll feed you and and when we're over here like oh well biological fact is you came out of the womb as a man so obviously you're going to be a man and you have to be a man in order to actually follow jesus you have to be circumcised in order to actually follow jesus you have to be this in order to actually follow jesus mm-hmm. since when did god put you in charge of
0: saying who he was like
2: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> who died and made you king jesus came back from the grave. Like, <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for sharing all of this, and and the one thing I want to thank you for, Leslie, is is just even the grace that you show, um, like in this conversation and in every conversation, as as um, as we continue to learn and talk about it and and help people understand more, and that your continual uh, desire to to speak. To speak out on this topic, and when many people uh, are too afraid to because of context and situation. So, I just want to thank you so much for everything that you have done and you are doing, mm-hmm. and your bravery and just your love for people. Yes, thank you.
1: Oh, thank you for you saying that.
0: And thank you, Seth, mm-hmm. for joining as well. Of course.
1: Thank you, guys. It's been fun.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, and. I cannot wait to see you later on. (laughs) Yeah. And thank you everyone for listening um, to this topic, uh, to this episode. Um, You know, we want to continue the conversation on this topic in the podcast episode description. I'm going to leave the information of how you want to connect with Leslie, or if you want to connect with lead them home to get more resources uh, on on gender identity issues and how to minister to people go, um, on their journey of understanding their gender identity. And so all of that information will be connected to the description of this episode in case you need it. And I'm sure that Leslie would love to talk with you. Absolutely. So thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon.
2: We love you darlings. Bye. Bye everybody.